Hi, hello guys. My name is Rui, and this is Macabre Ramblings. The Mini Ramble. So hi! Hi everybody! Hehe! <laughs> this is the first mini ramble, which is mostly me rambling about something in around less than 30 minutes, I guess? That would be the standard for mini ramble. Knowing me though, I might end up talking way longer than I anticipated and this episode might be a longer one, but I made sure to have a topic that's not that long, doesn't have much to talk about, I guess. So what would this topic be? So this topic would be, as the titles would probably be saying, is about shrunken heads. Yep, heads that have been shrunken. And so what is a shrunken head? We're just gonna dive right into it. A shrunken head is a severed and specially prepared human head that is used for a trophy, for ritual or trading purposes. They're, they are mostly also thought about as like talismans. And the local people that are known to make these shrunken heads call these small heads as tansas, which is T-S-A-N-T-S-A-S, tansas. If I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> That's how I ended up pronouncing it. So, why do they have shrunken heads? Apparently, head hunting, where you hunt heads, that has occurred in many regions across the world. But, the practice of actually shrinking these heads is only have been documented in the northwestern region of the Amazon rainforest. The people who were documented to be shrinking heads are called the Jivaroan people, Jivaroan, and there are a couple of different tribes. Some of them are called Shuar, Akuar, Huambisa, and Aguaruna, and there are tribes from Ecuador and Peru, and they're the ones who are known to shrink heads. So apparently this, these Jivaroan people, they are indigenous people in the headwaters of the Maranyan River in, yeah, as I've said, in Peru and eastern Ecuador. And they speak a language of this language family of the same name. So they have their own, their own dialect, their own languages. So apparently the name of their tribes were, this is... Uh, pointed out as a politically incorrect one, but it's their uh, origin of why they were called as Jivarons. But it isn't. It came from the Spanish word Jibaro, which means savage. So these people, the tribes, would have kind of a war against each other. So they would strike swiftly and retreat just as swiftly 
and when they retreat they bring with them the heads of the fallen of the fallen soldiers of the opposing camp and these heads these decapitated heads are the ones that would be shrunken they would be the ones who would become shrunken heads because apparently dragging a cool body back is of course more uh, difficult than taking a head so the parties the raiding parties the one who would raid the other tribes uh, village or place they would usually only attack one homestead per raid so in this homestead they would kill the men they would spear the older women to death and the younger women they would be taken as brides additionally apparently there is some evidence that the Aztecs practiced a shrunken head ritual along with tribes in some areas of modern-day Venezuela. It seems to be a tradition that is most often associated with indigenous South Americans and has been brought into voodoo culture. So, shrunken heads. How are they made? What is the process of making shrunken heads? So, as I research, apparently... There's not much that is known about the method of making these chansas, chansas, but there are historical records that exist, but these records are mostly written by foreigners who did not speak Shuar, which is uh, the language. So there are records, but we do not know the actual uh, uh, validity of it, but that's what's written in the records. So the members of the tribes, they believe that there is this vengeful spirit, and they call it the Muisak, M-U-I-S-A-K. And this vengeful spirit, it is in the human body. So to block this spirit from using its powers when a person is killed, they would try to gain, contro uh, and to gain control over the soul of the victim. The headhunters, the one who would decapitate the heads and go into raids, sever would sever their enemies' heads and shrink them. So that's why trunken heads are made to stop the vengeful spirit from doing vengeance so apparently yeah after decapitating the head of their enemy how do they bring them back they do not just hold the head and bring them back they would tie these heads using a headband their headbands their uh the headbands of the warriors would be put through the mouth and the neck hole of the decapitated head and then they would tie this over their shoulder for easy carrying when evacuating the village following an attack so now we're really going to the process of making a head <clears throat> so first of course uh, they would begin to decapitate the head and then they would bring these heads home and then they would begin to remove the skull from the neck so in this shrunken heads there are no skulls in it so an incision is made on the back of the ear and all the skin and flesh is removed from the cranium. The skulls would be discarded by they're gonna be fed to the anacondas because they were seen as spiritual guides in their culture. And then number two, the second part of making the heads would be they would use these red seeds. I tried searching what red seeds they were using but uh, all the articles just said red, red seeds, so I don't know what kind of seeds they were. They were placed underneath the nostrils, and the lips 
are soon shut. The mouth is held together with three palm pins and not only the mouth but the eyelids were also soon shut. So third is fat from the flesh of the head is removed. Then a wooden ball is placed under the flesh in order to keep the form. So it still looks like human. They're not gonna shrivel up and take on a whole different form. The flesh is then boiled in water that has been saturated with a number of herbs containing tannins. So tannin, according to Wikipedia, it is a class of astringent polyphenolic biomolecules that bind to and precipitate proteins in various other organic compounds, including amino acids and alkaloids. Since that quite literally passed through one of my ears and not the other, I am not that well-versed in biology, botany. Let's go with the more uh, simple explanation. Tanning is, it refers to the use of oak and other bark in tanning animal hides into leather. So this is used for tanning leather. <laughs> so tanning is also widely distributed in many species of plants where they play a role in protecting the plants. And these tannins are the cause of the dry and the dry feeling after you eat like an unripened fruit. That's the reason why. They're also in red wine or tea. That's why they have this feeling. It also helps with determining harvest because it disappears when the fruit is ripe. So because of the tannin in the water that's used for boiling, the head, the skin with the ball in it, emerges about a third of their original size. So it shrinks, it shrinks and the skin would be darker and it has a rubbery and tough texture. The skin would then be turned inside out and any leftover flesh is scraped off with a knife. The scraped skin was then turned with the proper side out again and the slit in the rear soon together. So the fourth, pro the fourth step is it continues, the process continues. There are hot stones and some sand that were placed inside the heads which created the tanning effect on the inside as well and the head was shaped further using additional hot stones until it was molded into the desired shape so it still remains looking like a head fifth step is finally the heads were rubbed with charcoal or smoked over a fire to blacken as it was believed that this would keep the avenged soul the muisak from escaping the head sixth step the finished product was hung over a fire to harden and blacken yes then the wooden pegs in the lips that was used to sew them together were pulled out and replaced with string to lash them together seventh and final step the head was placed on a stick or attached to a string as a trophy either carried or worn around the warrior's neck so the shrinking process doesn't take that long at all for the heads to shrink they would be boiled for only about two hours boiling it for too long would leave them ending up gooey and destroyed so we don't want any gooey small heads <laughs> so now that we know the process why? Why are they doing this? So of course I talked about it being a trophy and the muisak, but let's go in depth and expand about this a little bit more. So the practice of preparing shrunken heads, it it has a religious significance, yes. So the shrinking, yeah, I was I talked about this is like the muisak. They would it is used to stop the muisak from exa exacting revenge. 
but there they also blah 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 blah. We also believe that there are more spirits. There are actually three fundamental spirits in their belief. The first one is yes, the Moisak that I have talked about way too much already. It's the vengeful spirit, which surfaces when a pers with a person carrying an arutam spirit is murdered. What is an arutam? Arutam is another one of the three fundamental spirits. It is literally a vision or a power, and it protects humans from a violent death. And the third and final spirit that they believe in is a wakani, which is innate to humans, thus surviving their death. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I have found that they believe these three spirits to be existing. So despite a lot of steps in shrinking heads you'd think that they would keep these heads for a long time but no so despite a lot of these things the owner of the trophy did not keep it for long and they would usually last only a total of about six days or a week many heads were later used in religious ceremony ceremonies and feasts that celebrated the victories of the tribe there are a lot of accounts as to whether the heads after that were discarded or stored but there are a couple of different um Articles had said that they are either uh, given to children as toys or fed to animals. That was before Western people learned about these uh, shrunken heads and there became like an industry surrounding it. It became like a hot commodity. So this, uh, there's an excerpt from an uh, article that I have found and it says, Removing the head from the body of an enemy also showed their ancestors that the warrior had properly fulfilled the obligation to his lineage in taking blood revenge. In addition, it served as a warning to enemies that the Jibaroan tribes were skillful, wa skillful warriors. I did uh, hint that the shrunken heads became a hot commodity because of the Westerners. There was an economic demand for them. And unfortunately, this meant that instead of like, you know, one homestead per raid that happened, the Jivaroan tribes ended up increasing the rate of killings in an effort to supply the tourists and collectors. Apparently, the terms headhunting and headhunting parties come from this practice. This is the origin for that word. Especially during the late 1800s and early 1900s, a lot of the uh, killing happened just to meet this demand, which is just sad because it became just tied into selling these they just want your head so they kill you type of thing uh so apparently these heads are traded for guns and the rate is around one gun per head so according to an anthropologist named john Patton, Payton, is that the shuar which is one of the tribes one of the jivaroan tribes gained the tactical advantage over the aquar the Akwar apparently had long controlled the rivers, affording access to trade routes and opportunities to barter for superior firearms being made in Brazil and traded up through Peru and Ecuador. Because Shuar headhunters faced retaliation from the better armed Akwar, so the Akwar is better armed, the Akwar is, um, what do you call this, had the upper hand, the Shuar has head-taking raids were sporadic and carefully considered. So the Shuar were very uh, more cautious because they know that the Akuar is better armed. But because of these trades with the Westerners, with the 
one head per shotgun or one head per gun this balance this uh status quo in a way shifted and the shore ended up managing to fight back because then they have guns and then a critical section of the border closed cutting off the aquas access to trade and ammunition so the shuar got the upper hand <clears throat> so says Patton, the anthropologist he says quote unquote 150 shuar warriors would go and take heads whole families partly because they had a commercial outlet for it and also because when the aquar were, were reduced to using spears it was a lot easier to do Patton told that the shuar around that time would refer to the aquar as fish, as in, let's go catch some fish. Which is, there's a certain type of uh, darkness in that, like you just reduced these people into something you catch and then sell, and then you end up just calling them fish. So it's impossible to know how many aquar were killed as a consequence of the market demand for shrunken heads. It is safe to say that a lot of what passed for adventure in the Amazon back then was little more than ugly commerce. Yes. So because there's this a lot of demand for these heads, of course, other people would try to dip their toes into this economy and a lot of counterfeit shrunken heads popped up. And even these counterfeit uh, shrunken heads actually managed to trick professionals at museums and some museums would have on display genuine artifacts and alongside these genuine shrunken heads would be counterfeit ones and i put a note here because i saw one link in amazon of a shrunken head which is obviously a counterfeit one but it's stored uh it's it's categorized under toys and Usually, I would look at it and just, oh, look at that, a morbid toy in a way. But knowing about the past about this makes it a lot more uh, to me. So around 1910, these shrunken heads that were once getting traded with guns were now being sold by curiosity shops. And in Lima, uh, it's it costs around one Peruvian gold pound, which is a gold sovereign in British at it Britain at that time in 1919 so nine years afterwards the price in Panama's would be around five pounds but in the 1930s when heads were freely exchanged a person could buy a shrunken head for about 25 US dollars so since it became prolific became like just a free ex freely exchanging heads of people the Peruvian and Ecuadorian governments uh, work together to put a stop and outlaw the traffic in heads, which is, I'm pretty sure a lot of us would agree that that's a good step to do. It's just the morality in this. The, the, I just cannot get behind just selling heads like this. So in the 90 years since lawmakers made the sale of tzansas illegal, uh, it may still have been practiced by the older generations. But of course, more, uh, the more Western culture and religion seeped into the area, the less these rituals were executed. It is thought that an authentic shrunken head hasn't been made in over 20 years. So I've talked about counterfeit sansas, and apparently people in Colombia and Panama were the ones who were prolific in these counterfeit sansas. 
So these the people would use corpses from morgues or the heads of monkeys or sloths. Some even use goat skin. Kate Duncan, which is I think an author, and said in 2001 that it has been estimated that about 80% of the tansas in private and museum hands are fraudulent, including almost all that are female or which include an entire torso rather than just a head. Because shrunken heads are just heads, there are no bodies attached to it because they would not drag a whole dead body with them, they would decapitate. So someone named Heyerdahl, Thor Heyerdahl, what a name, uh, in 1947, there, he recounted that he went through various problems of getting into the Jivaro area in Ecuador just to get some wood for his expedition raft. The local people would not guide his team into the jungle for fear of being killed and having their heads shrunk. So it became a real problem, a real thing to be scared about because because of the high demand for the head shrinking, there's a very high uh, danger that you would be killed just to have your head shrunk and then sold. So in 1951 and 1952, sales of these shrunken heads in London were being advertised in the Times. One example is priced at $250. So it really got a lot more expensive than around 1910s, 1919s. So in 1999, the National Museum of the American Indian repatriated the authentic shrunken heads in its collection to Ecuador. Most other countries have also banned the trade, which is, as I've said, good. Currently, replica shrunken heads are manufactured as curious items for the tourist trade. There are a lot of replicas right now which are made by synthetic materials such as leather or fabric, while others are made of animals such as pigs, cows, or chimpanzees. However, the legality of using animals for this purpose is also in question. I am personally against doing that. So many fake sansas are offered and sold as genuine to collectors and casual buyers at relatively high prices. So even if a seller is claiming to have a real shrunken head, it's smart to be skeptical of such claims. So if you want to buy a shrunken head, be skeptical, I suppose. So if you're trying to detect a counterfeit sansa, <laughs> The fakes often have facial hair. The shawar took care to singe it off. The lips of counterfeit sansas are closed with unwoven strips of vine rather than string. And they lack the holes in the head that would enable a warrior to hang it around his neck during ceremonies. So yeah, I did say that major institutions, museums, and bee stuff were initially tricked by these fake counterfeits. Just like the ones in Pitt Rivers Museum, which they realized that around half, more than half of them are actually fake. And only 23 turned out to be authentic. Yes. <clears throat> so the Pitt Rivers Museum also changed their stance on displaying the shrunken heads because of this questionable morality around it. The decision was taken to remove it from public display because it was felt that the way they were displayed did not sufficiently help visitors to understand the cultural practices related to their making and instead led people to think in stereotypical and racist ways about Shuar culture. So it, made, it just made the culture look bad instead of educational. So 
apparently standing in front of the case with the shrunken heads inside of it, people would talk about the people who had made them a savage or primitive and use words like gory, gruesome, or freak show when talking, up, when talking about the display. Shoar people have expressed dismay at their culture being represented in such ways. And the museum, the Pit Rivers, is now working with Shoar partners to redress the situation. Uh, <clears throat> we're almost done. I'm just gonna talk about uh, a few bonus facts, I guess you could call it that way. So after World War II, shrunken heads were found at the Buchenwald, B-U-C-H-E-N-W-A-L-D, concentration camp. And it's a Nazi concentration camp established on Ettersburg Hill that were alleged to have been of prisoners. So they were thought, the Nazis were thought to be making shrunken heads. So one of them was used as an evidence at the Nuremberg trials by the U.S. Executive Trial Council, even though none of the accused were specifically charged with shrinking the heads. And that's the first bonus fact. The second one is uh, around 1960s, there is a TV ad for a shrunken head toy, which is called the Witch Doctor Head Shrinkers Kit. And it has this catchphrase of shrunken heads for all occasions. And the ad features a pith-helmeted actor hacking his way through what looks like a Kansas wheat field. So America got into this shrunken head craze. <clears throat> and for the last bonus fact, it's mostly uh, an article that I found very interesting. And it's about a story of a person that shrunk bodies. It's quite interesting since the story is a little long and i'm trying to keep this episode short so it could be still be called a mini ramble i'm gonna put this in the show notes if you guys want to read it uh and that's about it <laughs> i did end up recording this around oh look at that 30 minutes and i would end up cutting this because i rambled a bit too much in some parts and so i hope i really made the mini ramble and not me rambling way too much and that's the end of this shrunken head episode i hope that you found this interesting and this is one of those that are catered into history and the macabre part of the history of humankind and so now if you wish to send me some email send me some uh creepy stories, paranormal stories, true crime stories that you have experienced or you want me to cover, send some messages to me at macabramblings at gmail.com and you can also contact me at Instagram which is at podcast, and Twitter. Also, I have a Twitter which is at macarambles which is M-A-C-A rambles and eat good food drink water always hydrate always stay safe always always stay safe and stay spooky people